Well, as we continue in our discussion regarding walking in truth, we've looked at sanctification. And the last time we got together, we looked at our responsibility. Correct? Our responsibility in sanctification. Correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. And I want to do a little tie-in before we get to another section of uh, the commandments. I think we talked about that just before we closed last week. But I'd like for you to turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 28. 1 Chronicles chapter 28, beginning at verse 6 down through verse 10. And we know that this is King David speaking to his son Solomon after Solomon had been appointed the king. And the reason, or one of the reasons, I guess, that we're looking at that today is because we know from the scriptures that Solomon was deemed to be the wisest man uh, certainly of his day. And he had a very favorable relationship with God, correct? Mm -hmm. In addition, we know his father, King David, the scripture tells us that when Saul blew it, when King Saul blew it, God told Samuel that he was removing Saul from being king, and he would find a man after his own heart. God said, I'm going to find a man after my own heart. And we know that he sent Samuel down to Jesse's house and had Jesse bring his sons out, right? And the first son, the oldest, came out and Samuel said, well, he looks like a king. And the Lord had to interrupt Samuel and say, hey, Sam, you know, come here for a moment. So I can imagine Sam saying to Jesse, Jesse, I'll be right back. So he steps out somewhere. And the Lord says, uh, Sam, look, you're looking at the outward person. I'm looking at what? The heart. Okay. So he goes back in. Bottom line, he goes through the, the, the sons who are there. And then has to ask Jesse, do you have any other sons? And Jesse said, yeah, well, I got this, you know, this kid out there who's keeping the sheep. So he said, well, send for him. So in walks David. And the Lord says, that's the one. Anoint him to be king. So David was anointed king. But then we know through David's life, as the scriptures tell us, uh, he had some rough places. One, uh, he found favor with Saul, and then he fell out of favor with Saul. Uh, especially when the people kept saying, Saul killed his thousand, and David has killed his tens of thousands. So that's a great way to influence friends and have, you know. <laughs> but the bottom line is, uh, Saul began to chase David. David eventually did become king. He had the affair with Bathsheba. 
killed her husband, Uriah, on the front line, and so forth. But then David apparently said in Psalm 51, which we've looked at before, he repented and said, Father, give me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast heart within me, etc. Okay. Here we find David as he is getting ready to, to die or pass off the scene. He's speaking to his son, Solomon. Let's read uh, verses 6 down to verse uh, 8, and then we'll read the, the other couple of verses in a few minutes. But let's begin reading. Now he said to me, It is your son Solomon who shall build my house and my course, for I have chosen him to be my son and I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever, if he is steadfast to observe my commandments and my judgments as it is this day. Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, be careful to seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land and leave it as an inheritance for your children after you forever. Isn't that awesome? Mm -hmm. So we know David had in his heart to build a house for the Lord God, or a temple yeah. for the Lord God. And God told David, David, you've got too much blood on your hands, too much war, so you're not going to do it. But he says that I've chosen... Solomon to do that. Okay? But look at what he says in verse 6. Now he said to me, it is your son Solomon who shall build my house and my courts. For I, and the I there is who? The Lord, right? The Lord, the Lord have chosen him to be my son and I will be his father. Isn't that awesome? Mm-hmm. God says that even though Solomon was David's son by birth, correct? Yeah. That the Lord is identifying now to David that I've chosen Solomon to be my son and I will be his father. I know that may not sound like a great thing. But to me, it just blows you out of the water. That God said, I've chosen this man Solomon to be my son, and I will be his father. Now, we know in this new covenant that we have, that by receiving in faith, or believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, he's given us the power to become the sons of God. Right? Mm -hmm. But here we see that God tells David, I've chosen Solomon to be my son, and I will be his father. Wow. That, okay. It didn't say necessarily that he had to believe on Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. But he had, which we're going to see, 
he did have a relationship with God. And we're going to see that in a few minutes. Because he said in verse 7, Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever if he is steadfast to observe my commandments and my judgments as it is this day. So apparently, Solomon was observing God's commandments and God's judgments up, at to, this point, up to this point. You get it? Mm-hmm. And then he says, I'm going to establish his kingdom forever if he is what? Steadfast to observe my commandments and my judgments as it is this day. So there's a responsibility that he's put on Solomon to be steadfast in doing what the Lord says do in so many words, right? Okay. And then he said, uh, now therefore in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, be careful to seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land and leave it as an inheritance for your children after you forever. Notice what he said. Be careful to seek out All the commandments of the Lord. Wow. That's an awesome awesome statement, right? Mm -hmm. But as he seeks out those commandments of the Lord, then he has a responsibility to what? Observe to do them. Observe to do them. Okay? Wow. Let's read verses 9 and 10. Here, David's beginning to speak directly to Solomon. Let's read. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, He will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Wow. Notice what he said. As for you, my son Solomon, what does he first tell him to do? Know the God of your father. Wow. Know the God of your Father. Exhortation for all of us. Know God. Know God. And here it says, know the God of your Father. Which means that David had a relationship with God. And though he was Solomon's father... He apparently had some way demonstrated the fact that Jehovah, or God, is God. Are you following what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So the important thing there is to understand, you've got to get to know God. 
And the only way to get to know him for us is what? Through his word, his commandments, his commandments what he tells us about himself, right? Yes. Wow. Then he said, not only know the God of your father, but serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. With a loyal heart. What kind of heart is a loyal heart? What do you think that is? Loyal heart. One that's committed? Yes. A committed heart. That same term loyal, a faithful heart. With your whole heart. Committed to the Lord. And notice what it says. And with a willing mind. So it's a twofold responsibility as far as serving the Lord. You've got to serve him with a loyal heart and a what? Willing mind. Willing mind. My goodness. Sometimes we say, well, you know, the Lord knows my heart, that I love him. But isn't it interesting that Romans tells us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, and do what? And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. So God desires that we have not only a loyal heart, but a willing mind. So a willing mind to do what? To, do, to obey his commandments. To obey his commandments. To do his will. And this points out the fact that he's given every one of us a will, the ability to choose, or the ability to, to will. And now he's saying that we want him, he wants us to serve him with a willing mind. Which means that at some point we have to say, Father, I'm willing to do it, to do it your way. <coughs> wow. <coughs> that's, that's, that's different, isn't it? But then he goes on and says, he gives them the reason why. He says, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. Wow. That's awesome. God searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. Wow. What is that saying to you? There's no hiding. There's no hiding. No hiding from God. Yeah, there's no... Wow. Fooling. You can't fool him. You can't hide from him. Because God searches all hearts. That means even those who haven't accepted Christ or don't know about Christ, God searches all hearts. And God understands all the intent of the thoughts. Now that takes it another level. 
we often say because the word of God tells us that God knows every thought that enters our mind, right? right. This goes another level with that when it says, and he understands all the intent of the thoughts. <laughs> Come on. What, what, to you, what does that mean? When you say he understands all the intent of the thoughts. Go ahead. I mean, it just basically, like he said, he knows our hearts. Even if we mess up or do wrong, he still knows our intent. Okay. What do we mean by intent? What do you mean by intent? We have, we want, even though we do something, my way I look at it, we right. do something wrong, we still have the intent to do right. You know, it's in our heart to do right. We don't want to do these things, you know. Paul talked about the thorn, so okay. that's how I look at it. All right, all right. In other words, the motivation behind the thought, would that be a way of saying it, same thing? The motivation behind the thought? The intents of the thought. For instance, uh, and uh, well, somebody can somebody give me an illustration? Yeah. Okay. For somebody to say praise the Lord because it's a good thing in God's eye to praise the Lord, but the intent is just to say it because it's acceptable. Okay. Okay. So the only the intent is the thought is to praise the Lord. Right. But the intent of the thought is. I'm only doing this because it's the acceptable thing to do at this point. And it makes me look good. It makes me look good. Okay, good. Great. All right. And God understands that. Wow. Searches all hearts and understands all the intents of the thoughts. And he says to Solomon, Solomon, sir, know God the God of your Father, and serve Him with a loyal heart and a willing mind. So God even knows when you say, Lord, I'm, I, I desire to do it your way. He knows the intent of that thought. He understands it. I, I know. Okay. The depth of, to me, the depth of the Word of God is so tremendous, but it also lets us know God a little more. That just shows you how intimate God is with every person on the planet. With every person on the planet. Which means, again, we often talk about all of us in our original uh, design of God and, and et cetera, and we have great value to God, and He loves us, et cetera, et cetera, right? But then we begin to even see a little deeper when we are getting to know God even more that God is so intimately involved with us till He searches every heart and understands the intent of our thoughts. Not just knows our thoughts, but understands the intent of our thoughts. Wow. 
like you said, Margaret, we can't hide from it. But the key is, we shouldn't even want to hide from him. And not only that, but when we get to know him, you know, just like you said, I can't hide from him. <laughs> he already searches my heart. He already knows the intents of my thoughts. So, Father, I'm an open book. Even when I can't read it, I'm an open book. Wow. Then he says, "He, if you seek him, if you seek God, he will be found by you. Did you get it? If you seek God, he will be found by you. So in other words, God isn't even high. God isn't trying to, you know, I'm cloaking myself. And so when you're looking for me, I'd have moved over here. Or, you know, if you come over here, I'd have moved over there. So I'm not, I don't want you to find me. God says, if you seek me, I will be found of you. Wow. So God is saying, I'm intimately involved in your life. And I know your heart. And I understand the intents of your thoughts. And I'm telling you, if you look for me, I'll be found of you. What kind of assurance does that give us? What kind of confidence should that build up in us? That God isn't trying to be a law from us. He's not trying to, you know, I'm here and you're there. But look for me and I'll be found of you. Then he says, but if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Wow. Can you imagine the person who God knows their hearts. God knows the, and understands the intents of their thoughts. And God has demonstrated his love that he's given his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. And he says, if you seek me, I'll be found of you. So, the God who is intimately involved in every person's life walks with that person all their life. You getting this? Walks with that person all their life saying, I'm looking at your heart. I understand the intents of your thoughts. I want you to know me I'd like for you to serve me with a loyal heart and a willing mind. And if you seek me, if you look for me, I'll be found of you. But I'm walking with you. I'm walking with you. Even to the point when death takes place. 
but because you've forsaken me, you're lost forever. Did you get the picture? So God is walking with every person. And those that don't seek him don't even know he's walking with them. Did you get it? So no matter what, how good the heart is, no matter how you live, thinking that you're doing everything good, you know, and you might think that because I'm a good person, that's all that counts. But if you don't seek him with that goodness, it's just like... If you don't do it God's way, He's saying, I'm walking with you every day. I, I search your heart. I understand the intents of your thoughts. And, and I love you. But I want you to get to know me. I already know you. Get to know me. And then once you get to know me, then serve me with a loyal heart. And a willing mind. Because if you seek me, I'll be found of you. Think about the people who, who may have said, I tell you what, I don't believe that there's a God and so forth and so I'm going to read that Bible just to prove that there isn't. And they began to read it. And then they began to want to seek the one who this is talking about. And they write a book saying, I started out to prove there was no God. And I found out that he is. Because I will be found of you if you seek me. Because God is willing that all men be saved. And come into the knowledge of the truth. That the scripture tells us that. God desires that no one be lost, but that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, if he desires that, the question often comes is well, what is God doing about it? God has already made the plan. He already tells you that he understands your thoughts, the intents of your thoughts. He looks at your heart, and all he says is, seek me, and I'll be found of you. I'm not playing a game. And then I want you to know me, and then I want you to serve me with a loyal heart and a willing mind. Wow. Hebrews says, Seek the Lord. Oh, no, it says, those who come to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder. Wow. Matthew 6.33 says what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. His right way of doing things. And all these things. Will be added. Unto you. 
So we get it all out of place and kilter. We seek in all the things. Do you know what I'm saying? We seek in all the things, all the stuff and things, seeking after them. And God says, you're missing the boat. Seek the kingdom. Well, you can't seek the kingdom without seeking the king. Right? And his righteousness, his right way of doing things, sounds like his commandments, right? And all these things that you want and you've been looking for and you've been seeking after. I'll give to you. Does that make sense? And the key is, when you seek him and all the things you think you wanted, God has such a way, it says, that he'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you the desires of your heart. But I often think of that in this vein. Not because you want a new car. Is he giving you the car? But he gives you the desires of your heart. He can place in you those desires that lines up with his desires for you. Does that make sense? So when your thoughts are limited, he understands the intent of your thought. You're getting this. He understands the intent of your thought. He knows whether or not you're serving him with a loyal heart. And so though you ask him for such and such a thing, because you have a loyal heart towards God, because he knows the intents of your thoughts, but because you're seeking him, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's not going to give you what he knows will mess you up. Though you ask for it. Isn't that great? Yeah. Isn't that great? Lord have mercy. He won't give it to you. Now you can reach out and grab it. You know, because you're just saying, well, Lord, I asked you for this. And, you know, I didn't ask you if that's what you want to give me or not. This is what I want, and I'm going to take it. And headaches come. And stuff happens. And then you start saying, Lord, take this away from me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know none of us have ever been there, right? Oh, yeah. Have you been there, right? But you get the picture when we just look at these simple verses found in First Chronicles. And then we find Solomon, who after this, God appeared to him and says, Okay, Solomon, what do you want me to do for you? Now, he's saying this to the one that he chose to be a son. What you say. He chose to be his son. And he would be his father. Come on. And God asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And in, in a dream, he comes. So Solomon's spirit is awake. 
though his body may be sweet. And so, in that, he says, what do you want me to do for you? And Solomon eventually says, I want discernment between good and evil. I want to know how to judge between good and evil. Come on. God's so pleased with him that he says, Solomon, because you didn't ask for riches. Sounds like stuff and things to me, doesn't it? Because you didn't ask for riches. Because you didn't ask for your enemies. You know, like do them in. Because you didn't ask for your enemies. Because you didn't ask for long life. But what you did ask for pleased me so much. I'm giving you the wisdom. And I'm giving you the riches. Now does that share with you something? And God searches all hearts. God searches all hearts. And understands the intents of the thoughts. Which means, get this please, that God understood the intent of Solomon's thoughts even when he is asleep. Bit much, isn't it? Bit much, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit much. He sleeps, dreaming, and God speaks to him. And he searches all hearts and understands all intents of the thoughts. It is a bit much. But he says, David, he told David, and David in turn told Solomon, know the God of your fathers. Know him. So as we're getting a little bit more to know him, isn't it tremendous? And the key is, Solomon received the wisdom, right? Operated in it. And then decided that, you know what, I got all these stuff and things now, and I got all this wisdom. And so, you know what, I'm going to start making some alliances with these other nations, like Egypt and so forth. Because I got all these riches, y'all. And so, uh, you know, so I'm going to marry the daughter of Pharaoh. And I'm going to marry this prince, or, you know, this king's daughter, and so forth and so on. And he started bringing all the women to Jerusalem. You get the picture. And God already told him, don't do it. You know, don't do it. But he decided, I want it. And the women turned him from the Lord God. So though he had a loyal heart. Though he had at a point a willing mind. Though apparently he was observing the commandments and the judgments of God. But what did Solomon tell him in, in that first Chronicles? He says, if you are steadfast. 
in observing the commandments and so forth, right? But Solomon turned out not to be what? Steadfast. So he started writing stuff like vanity of vanity. Everything's vexation of spirit. I mean, you know, this is a rough way to go, y'all. I got all this wisdom and now I got all this challenges and then I feel like, you know, whatever I accrue, I'm going to have to give to somebody who didn't work for it and so forth and so on. But then we look down to where, how he ended Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. And let's read that together, please. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Let's read it. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. King James says that to fear God and obey his commands, and this is the whole duty of man. So he came down to a point, Solomon did, that after trying everything that he could possibly try, that the world had to offer, he comes down to the conclusion that the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. Wow. Fear God and keep his commandments. Reverence God. Honor God and keep his commandments. This is a connect to what we talked about last time. Talking about sanctification. All under the heading of walking in truth. But looking at first God's responsibility or God's part in sanctification. We looked at that and we saw how God through faith sanctifies us. We looked at the fact that through the blood of Jesus we've been sanctified. We looked at how the Holy Ghost is involved in sanctification. And Jude says that God sanctified us. All of that. And then last week we looked at our responsibility. God did his part. But now we have a responsibility. To sanctify ourselves. To consecrate ourselves. And then today we're looking at just an example with Solomon of how he was observing the commandments and judgments of God. And God told David his father, I choose Solomon to be my son. Come on. And I will be his father. And I will establish his kingdom forever if he is steadfast to observe my commandments and my judgments as it is this day. Come on. We know Solomon didn't quite remain steadfast. And he comes down to the point in his life after writing Ecclesiastes and all the vanity of vanities and so forth. He comes down to say that the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. So that sort of puts in my mind 
that because of this situation with Solomon and because he has he has chosen the Jews as, as, as his chosen people that eventually they'll come to the same place that Solomon has come to. Probably. Probably. But at the same, probably at the same time, it also puts us in place of mankind. Besides yeah. the Jewish nation, but mankind. Mankind. You remember we talked about the fact that God is walking with every one of us? Yeah. Because he searches what? He didn't say he searches all the hearts of the Jewish people. Oh, he only searches the hearts of those who've accepted Jesus as their Savior. Since he searches what? All hearts. And understands all intents of the thoughts. Which means that God is intimately involved with every person on the planet. And he says, If you seek me, I'll be found of you. But think about this. Then why... Why would a person end up in such and such or do this or do the other, whatever it is, that's in opposition to God? Well, 2 Corinthians gives us a little insight in chapter 4, verse 4. Let's turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Wow. Well, I'm going to begin at verse 1. Let's begin at verse 1, and let's just read down. Okay? And if, uh, okay, let's begin to read. Therefore, since we have this ministry... As we have received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Isn't that awesome? Did you get the picture? Notice how he says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. But notice what it says. The gospel is veiled, which means the gospel is is. The gospel exists, but it's covered. It's just covered from those who believe not. Did you get that picture? 
If you seek me, I will be found of you. I'm just on the other side of the veil. If you seek me, you'll find me. I'm just on the other side of the veil. And the veil doesn't lift itself. What you say. Because it said right here, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So, a simple observation of God, I believe. God, I believe. And he knows the intents of my thoughts. So when a person says, God, I believe. Did you hear what I said? God, I believe. Then the light of the glorious gospel can shine. Did you get the picture? Because the only way that the God of this age, small g, can blind the minds is that the person doesn't believe. Which means the person has opened the door to the God of this age. Who can blind the devil. Who can blind their mind. Come back. What did God tell Cain? Cain, why you live hanging? If you do what's well, or if you do what's right, you'll be accepted. But, if you don't, sin is at your door. And his desire is to have you. But you must Rule over it. So that's sanctification deep. Which means the God of this age has his host or demonic force sitting simply waiting for you to open the door. And he gets a little toehold in. And he starts to operate on what? Your mind. Until you start getting so far out there. Are you getting the picture? Mm -hmm. That the light of the glorious gospel isn't shining unto you. But like the prodigal son, at a point, you come to yourself. And say, wait a minute. Why am I living like this? God, I believe. 
relationship with you. Help me. You get the picture. And God who searches all hearts and understands all intents of the thoughts of the mind will send the perfect laborer to you who will share. My brother or my sister, can I share this with you? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you believe that? I don't understand it, sir, but I choose to believe it. Hmm. That's what faith is. There you go. I don't understand it, sir. But I choose to believe it. And the light of the glorious gospel shines through the veil. (laughs) And the operation of the new birth takes place. And that person is born again. And like a babe begins to grow. And being nurtured in the things of God. Are you following? So it's such a simple process. He couldn't make it complicated. Why would he have to make it complicated? He knows. God knows the beings that he's dealing with. So why would you think he'd make it complicated? He says, if you seek me, I'll be found of you. So I'm not trying to hide from you. But you've got to look for me. In other words, you've got to have a desire for me. Isn't that something? You've got to have a desire for me. No question that I already desire that none be lost and that all be saved. But you've got to accept some responsibility and you've got to look for me. Questions? Any thoughts? Any comments? i got a question. Just to go back to Israel, why is it today we still... When we say God's chosen people, we still say Jews and, 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 and Israel. Why is it today that that it is so profound that the League of Nations support Israel scripturally? The Jews scripturally? Well, because again, the scripture says that those who bless Israel will be blessed. Those who curse Israel will be cursed. Right. And as far as we know, God hadn't changed his mind on that. Right. So there's still some elements of some people who say, I believe that. And so therefore, we need to be in a league looking out for Israel. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And then there's others who say, well, I don't care what, you know, I don't believe the Bible, I don't care what it says, so you forget Israel. Well, we'll find out who's right. God says, I'll bless those who bless Israel. And I'll curse those who don't. Now, 
just like everything else that God says. You can test them if you want. But who's going to lose? You understand what I'm saying? Like the person who says, well, I don't believe, I don't believe you know, there's life after death. You know, I think when you die, that's it. That's the end of the whole thing. Okay. Hey, look, come on. If you're right, it's okay. But if you wake up and it ain't over, who's going to lose? Duh. Do you understand what I said? It's like Paul says, if Christ did not rise from the dead, then we may as well just go and live it up. Because we are like all men most miserable. We may as well just forget this whole thing and go on and live it up. But there were witnesses who said that he did rise from the dead. They saw him crucified. And they saw him when he resurrected. And he was seen of 500 at one time. So those folks, even if they were making it up, do you understand what I'm saying? Even if they were making it up, there's too many folks to be making up the same story. And then Paul has the experience on the road to Damascus. He says, even out of time or after time, you know, even though I was had great zeal and thought that I was doing God a favor, rallying up these folks, and I got the okay from the big folks to go down to Damascus and Round, you know, round of these folks, and he met Jesus on the road, and said, "Who art thou, Lord?" And the Lord says, "I'm Jesus, whom you persecuted." Now, come on. Now you can believe it. No, you ain't got to believe it. It's okay. The choice is yours. But if you believe it. Then let him prove himself. Let God prove himself. Jesus says, the doctrine I'm teaching you is not my own. But if you do it, you'll know whose doctrine it is. Isn't that something? If you do it, you'll know whose doctrine it is. Leading us to the commandments. Let's look at one last thing, and that is on the back of your sheets, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 and 2. And I like how they head, headed this section in the New King James Version, a plea for purity. Let's read those two verses. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. What commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. And that's leading us into the commandments, which was shared last week, that there are over a thousand in the New Testament. And you may say, Lord have mercy. You mean I got to learn a thousand commandments in order to do them? When you begin to look at them, you'll begin to see that they're all over. They're all over the New Testament. And they're not that far removed 
from what we used to call common sense. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you begin to look at them, you'll begin to see that most of them fall under the category of common sense, which is no longer very common. And like you said, yes, they fall under as such the, the larger scope of the Ten Commandments, or certainly they hang on the two commandments that Jesus told them. Love God with all your heart, soul, spirit, and so forth. And the second is likened unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. They all hang on that. Because if you love God, then you will do what? You'll want to know him, and you'll serve him with a loyal heart. And a willing mind. But only, it's only common sense. Go ahead. If you have faith and if you love God. Mm. Thank you, Mark. You're right. It's only common sense if you love, if you, you love have God faith and have and have faith. Right. If you love God and have faith. Wow. That's a good one. Let's stop right there. Father, we're grateful. We thank you and give you praise and glory. Thank you for what's been discussed this morning. We ask that you would seal it into our hearts, Father. We give you the glory and honor for it in Jesus' name. And everyone in agreement would say, Amen. Amen.